series called Center Stage, and then we're going to finish up the series and John chapter 1 today. The, the whole point of it has been to focus on God sending his son, Jesus, to this earth. The reason that we celebrate Christmas, Jesus arrived, he took center stage, and that changed everything. We learned that, that through Jesus, we can know who God is. John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We learn that, that through Jesus, we could also know who we are. Verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born and not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He shows us who we are. Our condition is one of rejection. We reject God, and because of our sin, he rejects us. But through Jesus, we can be changed from our natural state and become his children. So our condition it's also one of adoption. Ian said last week that Jesus took our place and forgives our sins. Verse 29, the next day he, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, behold, that's a good, uh, that's a good Christmassy word, right? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what happens next? I mean, that's all pretty great news, but is the goal enlightenment? Is the goal to accept forgiveness and just sit back and watch the show? To, does God want us to go about our lives as spectators? No, he, he doesn't. You know, I've been thinking about this metaphor of, of center stage with Jesus stepping into the spotlight. And, and at Christmas, we celebrate the unthinkable happening. Jesus, the word, becoming flesh, dwelling among us, ushering in the kingdom of God, everything that we just recapped. But then he does something else that's unthinkable. Jesus invites us to be part of the story. He invites us onto the stage. In 2016, a guy from New Hampshire, New Hampshire named Rob Joyce went to a Keith Urban concert thinking that he would just be a spectator. And then this happened. Do you play guitar? Well, come on up here. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Come on,
You guys remember concerts? <laughs> remember what those were like? That's pretty cool, right? I mean, uh, can you imagine that? Going to see your favorite musician or going to a Broadway show and then being invited on stage to participate? Uh, that rarely happens, and, and I don't know. I wouldn't be like Rob Joyce. I'd be, like, freaking out. But he was, he was pretty cool. He did a good job. This is what happens with Jesus. He says, come and see who God is. Discover who you are, who I made you to be. And then he says, hey, why don't you come up on stage? And don't, don't just stand there awkwardly. You get to do something. Come and take part in this story. He doesn't have to do that. I mean, the show would go on without us and honestly would be pretty great, would probably be even better without us. But that's not the point. That's not what Jesus wants. He wants you to participate. Jesus invites you to follow him. Jesus invites you to follow him. So I want to take the next few minutes and unpack what that means. We're going to pick up the story in verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, that's, he likes that word, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. So what does it mean that Jesus invites us to follow him? Well, the first thing we can see from this passage is that Jesus invites you to be where he is. Jesus invites you to be where he is. John the Baptist tells uh, two of his disciples who Jesus is and they're like, see you, Johnny. And they follow Jesus, except they're literally walking behind him. They're following him. And Jesus turns around and he says, what do you want? I love that. What do you want? Uh, and they answer his question with a question, classic, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see. Come be with me. The passage says that they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. I also want to look at how uh, another, uh, another writer of an, another account of Jesus' life named Mark describes this invitation for the disciples to follow him and he emphasizes this relationship and being with Jesus. Mark, Mark 3, 13, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired and they came to him. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach so that they might be with him. A disciple in those days was a student and it wasn't in the classroom or a lecture sense a disciple learned firsthand by being with the teacher. So this invitation to come and see that Jesus extended to those first disciples was a big deal. To be asked to, to learn from a rabbi, uh, let alone Jesus, was a big deal. And he extends that same invitation to us. He says, come be with me. Don't just learn about me, but be with me. That's where the good stuff happens. For us today, he's saying, don't just, don't just read your Bible, but let the word of God speak into your life. View this as more than a book. This is God's words to you. Don't just pray to, you know, tick the spiritual boxes. And don't just pray about your lists of needs and, and wants, but, but listen to what God says to you. Let prayer be communication. Let it be part of who you are, a way to cultivate a relationship Jesus is saying, let me into every part of your life and experience the joy of my presence there. Following Jesus means you get to be with him. 
we'll learn in a minute that uh, one of the two disciples who followed Jesus that day was named Andrew. The other one's name isn't, mes- isn't mentioned, but most scholars believe that it's, it's John. And not John the Baptist, but the John who's, who's, writing, who's writing this. So throughout this gospel, John either doesn't acknowledge himself, like here, or he just refers to himself in other ways. So why else do we think this is John? I want to look at the last part of that passage. Verse 39 says, He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. The 10th hour, which is 4 p.m. It's really easy detail to look over. One that also isn't necessary to put in there. I mean, who cares, right? John most likely wrote this gospel around 90 A.D., so this is 60 years after this event, and he's writing about it. How would he even know what time it is? And again, why does it matter? Well, when significant things happen in our lives, we have the tendency to remember the details. We have a tendency to remember the time of day. I I remember that I got married August 19th, 6.30 p.m., and if I ever forget it, I'm in trouble. I remember that when my wife was pregnant with our son, Charlie, she woke me up in the middle of the night to tell me her water broke. And actually, it was was like, like this. She said, honey, I think my water broke. And I was half asleep, and I said, are you sure? She said, yes, get up. That was 3.15 a.m. I'll never forget that. Uh, You'll remember that you came to the 11 o'clock service on December 27th and you experienced the best sermon you've ever heard, right? (laughs) And Ian will be back next week. He's all right, but you're gonna be like, man, I really, 11.21 last week, that changed my life. That's what you'll say. Uh, Jesus was invited to follow Jesus and he remembers the details of that moment because that was the moment in his life when everything changed. Jesus said, come and see. And this was so life-changing for John that even 60 years later, he remembers what time it is and he records that for us. Let's keep going. Verse 40, one of the two men who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. I want you to remember that name change. We'll come back to that in a bit. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. So what does it mean that Jesus invites us to follow him? Well, the second thing we see is that Jesus invites you to bring others. He invites you to bring others. So, so Andrew, he goes and finds his brother Simon and, and says, we found the Messiah. It's really him. And, and Simon's like, cool, let's go. Simon meets Jesus. He's given a new name, a new identity, Peter, and his life is radically changed. We can read a lot about Peter in the gospel accounts uh, and in the book of Acts as well. Peter is someone who also brings others and helps them experience the love of Jesus. Peter's a leader in the early church. He even writes part of our Bible. Then Jesus invites this guy named Philip and, and Philip finds Nathaniel and Nathaniel's like, Nazareth? Nazareth is the worst. Now, Nathaniel was from Cana, which was about four miles away from Nazareth, so I think maybe there's a bit of town rivalry here. Maybe their ancient sports teams played against each other. I don't know. 
I thought I'd try to think of some joke with, with Mattoon and Charleston, but I'm too new here. It's too soon. I don't, I was afraid. Not going not gonna to go there. But Philip just says, you know, you're right, but uh, come and see. Come see for yourself. And that example is there for us to follow. The, myth, the mission that Jesus invites us into, the story being told on the stage is all about making disciples. Matthew 28, uh, we call this the Great Commission. This is the last thing Jesus told his disciples and then to us. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, what Jesus was all about is, is the kingdom of God growing, making disciples and we have an important part to play. Our mission here at Broadway, we talk about it every week, is exactly that. We want to help people find hope in Christ and a home in his church. We want to help people know what it means to follow Jesus. So his invitation to us is to be with him and then to bring others. It's the natural progression. There are so many others, other examples of this in our Bible, we just don't have time to talk about at length. But but all the sick that Jesus healed, the, the demon possessed, the woman caught in adultery, Zacchaeus, the Samaritan woman at the well, Lazarus, Saul of Tarsus, and so many more. This was just the natural progression, and we see that. For those who spent any, time amount, any, any amount of time with Jesus, they brought others along for the journey. These are people who were imperfect. They didn't have all the answers. They were works in progress. Does that, does that sound familiar? Their confidence was in Christ, not in themselves. Their confidence, wasn't in, uh, their confidence wasn't in what they could do. It was in what he could do. So our role to play in the story is to say to a lost and dying world, come and see. Come and see who my confidence is in. Come to my church. Come and experience what it's like to worship in a room full of people whose confidence is not in themselves but in Christ. Come to my house. Come, come share a meal and just have a conversation. Come be part of my life. Come and see my imperfections, but see the joy I have knowing that I get to be with a God who loves me. Come and see how God has transformed my life and how he can do the same for you. Uh, there's a really good book called The Art of Neighboring. And in this book, the authors say this, the, the beauty of the art of neighboring is that it's simple and genuine. You don't need to memorize any pitches. You don't need to chart out a master plan for evangelizing your neighborhood. You don't need to worry about having a canned speech in your back pocket. In short, you need not make your neighbors your pet project. Make them your friends. You simply need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body and love your neighbor as yourself. When those things happen, everything else falls into place. The goal is to faithfully tell your story, God's story. Then listen to their story and ask God to lead you. So you see the, the bring, it's much more than an invitation. It requires vulnerability. It requires a relationship on our part. Invite people into your story and then listen to theirs. So the fact that Jesus invites you to follow him means that you get to be with him and that he wants you to bring others along. And now there's one more truth uh, that, that I want us to, to see at the end of John 1. Let's go to verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. 
Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Jesus invites us to be with him, bring others. And the third thing uh, we see here is that Jesus invites you to behold great things. Be, bring, behold. I tried to make them all start with the same letter so that Ian would be proud of me. So I did it, Ian, if you're watching. Did it. Jesus is like, what's up, Nathaniel? And Nathaniel's like, wait a second, how do you, how do you know my name? Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree and I let my mind wander this week and thought Nathaniel could have been like, lucky guess. I sit under that fig tree every day. That's like my favorite fig tree. Um, that's weird. I'm sorry. No, this confirms what Philip probably, uh, what Philip did tell him about Jesus because he immediately says, well, you are the Christ. You are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus says, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're gonna see even greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, Jesus, uh, we, we read this in, throughout all of the Gospels. Jesus references the Old Testament uh, a lot, the, the Jewish scriptures, things that they would have under, his listeners would have understood at that time. And so here he's referring to Genesis 28. In Genesis 28, Jacob, the father of the nation of Israel, has a dream. And in verse 12, he says, And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So in his dream, Jacob sees a ladder between heaven and earth. The way is opened up. The way to heaven, the way to the Father is opened. And Jesus is saying he is that ladder. Jesus is telling Nathanael that, that he's gonna see the way to heaven opened. You see, Jesus came to earth not only to make a way, but Jesus came to earth to be the way. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' invitation, again, his invitation to Nathaniel is his invitation to us. Come and see. Behold the great things I will do in your life, but know that the greatest thing is that I opened the way to heaven through my broken body and my blood shed on a cross. I defeated death and rose from the grave because I love you. Every week here, one of the, the ways we worship is by taking communion. And that's what we remember when we do this. We remember the invitation to follow Jesus, to step onto the stage and be part of the story. The invitation to be with him, the mission that we have to, to bring others and the privilege to behold the great things he has done. We do this every week so that we who get uh, distracted and sidetracked by just life can be reminded of those things that there's nothing better than being with Jesus. And just like Jesus gave Simon a new name, when you accept the invitation to follow Jesus, he gives you a new name, a new identity. 
You come to him as a nobody and he calls you his child. You come as a sinner and he calls you forgiven. You come broken and he calls you restored. You come to him afraid, worried, in despair, and he says, Christ is in you, the hope of glory, a new name, a new identity. That is who you are. So Jesus takes center stage and then he holds out his hand and he invites you to come and see. Will you follow? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus to be the way, to be the way to heaven and not only to have the hope of eternal life, but to be with you now and to experience a relationship with you. God, we pray that you would give us uh, opportunities to, to love other people and make an impact in their lives. God, to, to bring others. And I pray that the, the time that we spend with you would just pour out of, of who we are. And God, that people will just naturally gravitate to you because uh, they, just because of, of our relationship with you. And God, we are so thankful for the things you have done and the things that you will do. So we pray now as we take communion, as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, that this time would bring honor and glory to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.